All right, we're going to go to Luke 17, and we'll start with about, uh, actually, we're going to go there, and, and uh, I'm, going to ask, I'm going to ask Steve Blair to read two verses from the book of Leviticus before we go there, uh, from Leviticus 13. So if you want to make your way there, then kind of put another finger in, in Luke 17. Now, let's talk about this for just a minute. So... Rhonda, one of you, Rhonda or, or uh, Bill Reeves or somebody got to get me, make sure I got this right. Mycobacterium leprae is what we're dealing with today. Mycobacterium leprae, sometimes called Hansen's disease. You ever heard of that? It is a thing. It's still a thing, although not as big a thing as it was in biblical days, um, because they called every skin disease leprosy, pretty much. Okay, that's kind of what we're going to deal with. By the way, I've just got to I've just got to say something. Um, my good buddy Frank Merrick is back in Sunday school. Frank, Yay. it's it's been a minute since you've been here, but it's just good to see you, man. We uh, uh, Frank is the chairperson of our, um, he chairs the board of the Crossings Clinic. And uh, anyway, we owe a lot to this good friend. And uh, I, I laugh sometimes when I'm telling people about you, Frank. You and I got to know each other at the car wash. You remember that? Way back in the day. And uh, we, we evidently seemed to land at the car wash always on the same day and uh, became buddies. But uh, good to see you, pal. Glad you're here. All right, so let's um, let's get into this a little a little bit. So uh, I want you to listen to this. Here's what you couldn't do, or what you shouldn't do. I've read this from the CDC um, um, website. Now I just got the I just got the hairy eyeball from Ellie about even invoking the name CDC. But but they do some good things. And they kept some of us alive in the last couple of years, but or helped so. So here's what you can't do if you've got Hansen's disease: don't shake hands, don't hug people, um, don't sit next to someone on the bus, uh, sitting together at a meal. Does any of that sound familiar to you? Uh, isn't it interesting how we've treated? Uh, this thing that, that we've tried to stay uh, free from, almost like, dare I say it, leprosy. Um, um, avoid contact. Uh, 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 John, I'm, I'm sorry to report this to you, but you're supposed to avoid contact from, with armadillos. They think it might come from armadillos. So that means stay away from Wichita Falls, Texas, I think. But, okay, it's just, you know, he's my favorite Texas guy to pick on. What? That's roadkill. That is roadkill. Just don't pick it up. Okay, I guess it's a deal. Um, the, the idea behind this is it would result in at least one to two years of treatment, uh, heavy antibiotics, or a combination of those. And then you may have some symptoms that last for a lifetime. That's even now. Okay? So can you imagine what it was like before antibiotics and before medical science became what it became. That's the story we're going to get into a little bit. Now, um, um, it's interesting. The two passages we're going to read, and I'm going to have Mr. Blair toggle back and forth between the two to read them out loud. He, he was kind of complaining a bit because 
because the donut shop was not open down here, but, but I think he can still read. Uh, um, these, if I'm calling this right, these two, the story that refers to the law, about 1,500 years apart. Leviticus, something like 1,500 B.C., and then, um, you know, A.D. 32, 33, somewhere in there. Um, so uh, it's interesting how they're still kind of scared of this whole thing, uh, and they're still kind of kind of dealing with it. So, Steve, would you read that? We're just going to read two verses from Leviticus 13 that share that talk about um, uh, the um, this kind of really bad disease. The person with such an infectious disease must wear torn clothes, let his hair be unkempt, cover the lower part of his face, and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as he has the infection, he remains unclean. He must live alone. He must live outside the camp. Okay, catch this now. Remember I said... Uh, no shaking hands, no hugging, no sitting next to someone on the bus, no sitting together at a meal. Did you notice from Leviticus 13, they had to cover the bottom part of their face? Have you anybody done that lately? Yeah, COVID. We all did it. Some of us are still having to do it certain places. I walked into a place yesterday that was uh, mask required. And guys, I, I haven't carried my mask with me like I used to. And I felt like an outlaw, <laughs> you know. Um, so isn't it interesting? Leviticus 13, cover the bottom part of your face. I just think it's interesting. And that's, that's a byproduct of this leprous thing. Now, uh, I, I wrote in your outline, how do faith and thanksgiving, not the holiday in America, <laughs> but, but giving thanks, how do they interact? Um, I think Paul addresses this in Philippians 4. Maybe, maybe you're like me. Maybe at some point you made an attempt of some kind to memorize verse 6 and 7 from Philippians 4. Um, um, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7. So it's interesting. If I leave a, this is funny, and I think it's human nature. If I'm reciting that, and by the way, I didn't rehearse it, so I must have learned it pretty well when I learned it. But if I leave a portion of that out, I have a tendency to leave the with thanksgiving phrase out. It just doesn't fall off my tongue right. With thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now, we're going to deal with that a little bit with this story today. What kind of faith is it that fails to thank God? We've been on this study of faith and hope this summer. Is that faith at all? And maybe a bigger question, because I think it's answered in our story today. Does Jesus even notice it when we fail to give him thanks for what he does for us? Does Jesus even recognize it? Okay, so um, Steve read uh, Leviticus 13. Let's talk about this just a little bit here. Um, uh, so we talked about all the things that some things that, that a leper or one that was determined to be a leper had to do. Um, um, uh, it's interesting to me that um, 
Um, well, go with me to Exodus 11, just for a minute. If somebody beats me there, read it. Exodus 11, 1, kind of gives a little bit of thing, a little bit of a discussion. Now the Lord had said, said to Moses, I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. After that, he will let you go from here. And when he does, he will drive you out completely. So this was considered kind of a plague. Okay? Um, interesting here, um, um, or, or the word that's used sometimes there is uh, an afflicting disease. Now that word afflicting or that word plague as it's translated from the Hebrew means, uh, it kind of carries with it a connotation of being spiritual, not only physical. Okay? So what our friends that we're going to meet here in Luke 17 are dealing with, okay, um, are going to deal with something that is considered by people around them to be a spiritual problem to begin with. And that's going to come, come to bear on this. If, if, uh, we'll get to Luke 17 in a minute, but in Luke 17, 13, it's going to say, they raise their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Uh, the idea is that um, they had to, they were supposed to, they were required to by law to shout, those who had the infection were required to shout um, to those around them to steer clear, saying, unclean, I'm unclean, okay? Now, imagine this requirement if it was lived out during the recent pandemic. Infected, okay, right? Um, I'm not sure I encountered anybody over the last two years who has said that to me. Wait a minute, you don't want to get close to me because I've probably got the COVID. Okay. But they had to. Um, by the way, I don't, this may have helped. Yeah. I, it might have. I don't know. So um, imagine, though, how this had to be lived out and how it would have been kind of different. Uh, for them. Now, uh, as Steve read verse 46, um, they were required to live alone. At the time this law was written in Leviticus 13, um, they had to live uh, what, what Moses wrote was outside the camp. Remember, they were all camping. And so there were those who had to live outside of the perimeter of Believe it or not, two and a half million people's camped out. Okay, they had to, they had to kind of live outside the camp. Um, um, so think about it: no weddings, no funerals, no. Of course, there weren't synagogues in those days, but certainly no tabernacle worship, no Fourth of July cookout. Which, by the way, what was Fourth of July for them? Passover. Passover, yeah. Passover. Yeah. It was the celebration of their nationality. Okay? Um, uh, food probably was brought to them by family members, probably, so they could be fed. And so if somebody forgot about you, you didn't eat. Totally alone, their fate would have been the ultimate in quarantine. Now, I just couldn't resist as I was doing this study of making some modern parallels to that. It would have been the ultimate in quarantine. If any, 
I'm not even going to ask this question. I'm just going to say, if any of you had to quarantine yourself during the last couple of years, I wonder how that felt. I talked to some people who just kind of, uh, on top, you know, I've talked to a, a, a person who lost his wife during, uh, during the, the uh, pandemic. It wasn't pandemic related, but, but um, uh, she was institutionalized and he couldn't see her for a while. Uh, how horrible was that? Frank, you and I talked about going to see uh, Debbie's mom in, in, in Ardmore for a while, and you couldn't go, you can only see her through a window. That's awful. The ultimate in quarantine would be this, living outside the camp. Do, do you catch that? Okay, now with that little bit of backdrop, let's go to Luke 17 and see this, what I'm going to suggest is a shortcut that Jesus took, okay? That was a necessary shortcut. He had 10 appointments that nobody knew about, all right? Steve, if you'll go to Luke 17, read verse 11 through 14. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Okay, now, Jesus was actually taking a shortcut. So, if you're a good Jewish person going from Galilee to Jerusalem, I don't have a map to show you. But if you can go to the back of your Bible and look at one if you want to. You'll notice that the most direct route is straight through Samaria. Okay? It is, um, I'm trying to think of a modern-day parallel, but it's, it's the, the direct shot is through Samaria. But they wouldn't go that way if they were good Jewish people. Why? Because there were Samaritans living there. Now, I want, I want us to look at a little... I put uh, 951 on your outline. Let's go to 951. If somebody would read 51... Uh, I think I put 952, sorry. Yeah. Somebody read 951 to 54 out loud to us. Anybody got it? Luke 9, 51 through 54. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was headed for, heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples James and John saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them, and they went to another village. This is prior to our story in Luke 17. What's the disciples' view on Samaritans? They don't like them. Uh, you want us to burn them? You, know, you want us to, Mark, one boy just called down fire from heaven to burn them up. Uh, isn't it interesting? There is some thought that in chapter 17, the, the story that we're studying today about the 10 lepers, there's some thought that Jesus had sent the guys ahead. Just they didn't really get it, and they may not have even been with him on this trip because they didn't, okay? Some thought to that at least. But what about Acts 1.8? Where's the gospel supposed to go? 
But remember, it began with Judea. Samaria is in there somewhere, isn't it? I think. Now, that didn't just start Acts 1-8. Jesus' intent all along. I mean, these people shared the same Bible. They shared uh, most of the same um, ethnic heritage. And there was some intermingling of blood with the Assyrians and others. That's the problem. But they worshiped the same God. They had the same Old Testament Bible. And yet, they would go a hundred miles out of the way to keep from going through Samaria. So Jesus just took a shortcut. That's kind of what starts all this. He's on his final journey to Jerusalem, we believe. Um, he's going to take a shorter route. Um, they're going to not take that route. So uh, what I want you to think of when we meet these 10, and these are men, we think, what we, when we meet with these 10 men, these folks have two strikes against them already. They were Samaritans in a Jewish-controlled world, at least religiously controlled. And they were lepers. Wasn't bad enough to be a Samaritan. They're also leprous. It wasn't bad enough to be leprous. I'm also a Samaritan. So you kind of got to catch that. And the clean one, the holy one, is coming nearby. Intentionally. Intentionally. Okay, so uh, look on at verse 12. Just kind of scan it while I talk here for a minute. All right? Now, in this scenario, I find it intriguing that Jews don't consort with Samaritans, but they were both living in this leper colony. I never really thought about that before. They were both living there. I, I guess if you're a leper, you don't get a choice with who you get to live with except other lepers, I guess. So there were Jewish people there, and there were Samaritans there living together. What was the common denominator of all these people living together in this colony? They were all sick. All sick, all of them had uh, leprosy. Uh, so, um, they, they, and, and they've got to live together. And so, um, um, it's interesting, um, you know, what was the, uh, did you get the bad looks the last 18 months, two years, when you didn't distance appropriately? Would people kind of give you one of these? I had a guy at work. Uh, had a guy at work that's no longer there, but uh, he literally wore multiple mask apparatus. And no kidding, he, uh, when I walked by him, sometimes he would go. He was just so fearful. And it was a young man. Okay? What was the, the outcome for these folks who were required to say unclean if you got near them? What if you didn't do that? What if you didn't appropriately socially distance? You got rocks thrown at you. Read about that in the Old Testament. That was in the law. You're allowed to throw a rock at a guy who doesn't appropriately socially distance. Interesting. I haven't had any rocks thrown at me, but I kept a pretty good distance over the last couple of years. Okay. Now, so um, 
uh, they're living together. They're having to shout. But in verse 13, the 10 men shouted, but they didn't shout what they were supposed to. What were they supposed to shout? Unclean. 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 They didn't shout that. What did they shout? Jesus, have mercy. Have mercy. What a much, it's a, a, a better cry, isn't it? Um, um, uh, it's interesting to me. Have mercy, not unclean. Stay away. Somehow they, have, they had heard that contained within Jesus somewhere, there was a conduit to mercy and grace maybe even healing. And so instead of shouting, unclean, stay away, that's what the law required, they said, what did they say? How, how did they call it to him? Jesus, master. 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 They're recognizing some authority there somewhere, and they're claiming here, or they're shouting um, um, uh, at him um, uh, even while he's still at a distance, they raise their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And so he sees them in verse 14. And um, he makes a difference in their lives. Now, I, I want to, let's look at a couple of the Psalms, okay? Somebody help us go back to Psalms for a second. I want us to look at 3010 and 57.1. We'll skip 51.1. Psalm 37.10 and 51.1. Somebody got 37.10? Like I said, 30.10, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, they've got seven on the brain somewhere. 30.10. Karen, you got it? Please. Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my help. Makes me wonder if they shouted something like that. Yeah. Be merciful to me, Lord. Um, somebody go over to 50, I don't want to call it wrong now, 57.1. Who's got that one? Have mercy on me, O oh God. Have mercy on me. For you, my soul takes refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings. Oh, wow. Killed the disaster in his past. Okay. Paul Burleson may cease to be my friend after this next statement, but I think I'm right. I don't care who you are. The Lord will hear this cry. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how dirty you may feel you are. Lord, have mercy is a pretty good prayer. Paul, did I do okay? Am I going to be all right? Okay. I just remember one of our mutual friends got in trouble for saying something about some group. God didn't hear their prayers. Uh, God's going to hear this prayer regardless of who prays it, gang. Lord, have mercy on me. Master, can you do something about this? I, I'm telling you, interesting. There are times when you may can only eke out in a moment of duress, in a moment of intense grief or sadness, or even illness, you may can only eke out, Lord, have mercy. He hears that. He hears it. Now, they had to shout it. 
I think he would have heard it anyway. What do you think? Yeah. I think he would have heard, heard it anyway. It. Yeah. But they're shouting because they want to get his attention. Yeah. And they got it. And he says to them in verse 14, okay, go share yourself with the priest. What happened on the way? Uh, Wayne, go ahead. Don't you think he went there because he knew those 10 men needed to be healed? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was yeah. the whole purpose of going through I, I think that's why he went, Wayne. I think that was those 10 appointments he had that nobody else knew about. And so he says to the 10, go show yourself to the priest. Why? That was a religious requirement. Go show yourself to the priest. And, on, and they did it. They, they went. They left. They boogied out of there. And on the way, they were healed. Now, I couldn't help but remember a story of a, uh, uh, an Aramean general in the Old Testament in 2 Kings 5. You might want to read that story. I read it again this morning. It's a really in- interesting story. Rhonda, I think we did, I think we did a uh, children's musical one time based on the story of Naaman from, I forget what it was called, but I just remember the little kids singing, Wash, wash, wash in the Jordan, not one but seven times. I, I don't remember the rest of the deal. I need to ask my kids about it because they sang that. Uh, so Naaman is told by the prophet Elisha, go take a dip in the Jordan. And he immediately pushes back and says, what do you mean? The Jordan's nasty. I get a lot nicer water over in, in my area to dip in. Now go wash in the Jordan. And so he finally does it. And Elisha says, by the way, not once, seven times. What do you mean seven times? I'm a general here. He had an entourage around him. He was probably riding a chariot. When he finally did, when he was finally obedient, he was healed. He was healed. Interesting in this story, their faith was acted on in obedience. And Jesus says to them, you got to catch this. Go show yourself to the priest. If they looked at their hands, they're still white with leprosy. And Jesus says, while they can still look at their hands and see the leprosy, Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest. But it wasn't until they left that the leprosy left. They were obedient. Go show yourself to the priest. All right? His command to them was, as if... Their disease was past tense. Because, you know, once he shows up, that's kind of how it works, right? Okay, let's read a couple more verses. Cindy, can I get you to go to 15 and read down through 19? One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Okay, you got to catch, I think, what these ten men were thinking. As Jesus said, go show yourself the priest. They head out. They're looking at, whoa, my skin is like a baby's skin all of a sudden. And they're thinking, I'm going to go find a priest because if I get there soon, I might can have dinner with my family tonight. Mm. Think about that. They had been with their family for who knows how long. Think about who you would most want to see if you were totally alone and couldn't go see them. Who would you want to see? 
That's what they're thinking about. They're, they're thinking about a reunion here. Their desire for a reunion is strong. And so they're headed to the priest so they can get home as quickly as they can. And yet, one of them... Can I also say something about... Sure. One of the requirements were, in, in order to be healed, you have to be seen by a priest. And they had to verify your cleanness, yeah. And, and they... And, at the beginning, anybody that had it, the priest could put you in quarantine for seven days and then put you in seven more days. And then after that, if you were not healed, then they would have you uh, uh, saying that you were unclean. So there was all kinds of law, Nadine, that surrounded this thing. Yeah. But don't you know these guys were in a hurry to get whatever it was done so they could go be with, uh, with my wife and children, with my mom and dad, whoever. Except for one of them who didn't allow the reunion to trump his desire to show some gratitude. And he demonstrates it in three different ways there. He delays his trip to the priest. He, um, he loudly, the Bible says in verse 15, praises the master, praises Jesus. And he falls at his feet. I did a little bit of work on that word. It's an interesting word. Um, he just falls on his face. Jesus is Boom. a high priest too. So. You know, I thought about that. that that's a great thing because I didn't put that in my notes. But he did go see a priest, Nadine. He saw the great high priest, the book of Hebrews says. He shot himself at the priest. Now, he probably had to go on and see an ironic priest after that. So, in verse 16, there's a plot twist. I love it. The economy of words that verse six, the end of verse 16 uses. It's kind of an, oh, by the way. Yeah. You know? Oh, by the way. One of them came back. One of them fell at Jesus' feet. One of them cried loudly, I praise you. One of them deferred his trip to see the priest to be declared clean so he could go back to living a normal life. One of them. And... Dr. Luke says at the end of verse 16, oh, by the way, he was a Samaritan. <laughs> uh, interesting. You don't know that. Well, you and I know that because we've read this story before probably, but you don't know that unless, it, it, until now. Um, uh, a single sentence, just a few words. Uh, you could ask, you could, you could argue he was the lowest of all ten and what I got to catch you with here, what you, I need you to think about, and don't, don't press me too hard on this, okay? You know the story of the Good Samaritan? Yeah. That was a story. It was a parable. That probably didn't actually happen. That was a story to illustrate, okay? This happened. Okay? Don't, don't throw tomatoes at me yet, okay? Remember, Jesus told that story to illustrate who my neighbor was. Right? This Samaritan is a real Samaritan. He's a real guy that comes back to him and says, You have changed my life. Well, in verse 17, Jesus asks a really interesting question. He starts counting noses and he stops at one. Uh, Pal, where are the other nine? 
Was Jesus looking for information? I think he knew exactly the GPS reading on the other nine. Don't you? I think he knew longitude and latitude on the other nine. I, I Remember, this is the guy that put it all together. This is the uh, master of the universe, you know, all that. I, I don't think he's looking for information here. Um, I think one of the reasons he's asking the question for anybody who's standing around who jaw dropped are thinking, oh, how about this? The Samaritan came back and thanked him. And he says, where are the other nine? Um, you just got to hear the question. And I got to hear the question today and probably tomorrow. Every day. Because he does so many wonderful things for me. And I got to remember, sometimes I get so busy getting caught up in showing myself to the priest and getting back to doing what I want to do. That I forget to say, oh, by the way, Lord, thanks. You have changed my life. You know? So. One of the things I think about people, a lot of people sit down and eat and don't even bless their food. You know. I'm guilty sometimes too, Nadine. Thanks to the, for the food. At, at least I would stop three times a day and thank you, you know? Okay, so uh, in verse 18, it was intended as a rebuke, okay? Uh, verse 18, uh, he says, uh, was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Now, the word is used, um, I did a little research on the word foreigner. The word is um, uh, allogenos, so it's a compound word that is translated in some of our Bibles, stranger. Sometimes it's translated foreigner. It's interesting. We would all be considered those, really, in, in our day. Um, but it kind of connotes another race. So who is this rebuke aimed at? It's aimed at the chosen ones, the nation, the ones who are in the in-group. And that doesn't include me. It probably doesn't include you, you know? I, can, I get, can I get really ugly here for a second? I think sometimes we think uh, because we wear red, white, and blue on 4th of July that we're some kind of a chosen nation. And I'm not really sure, not really sure, because we're all Gentiles, okay? Jesus is rebuking those who thought they were in and he says, nobody thanked me except this foreigner. <laughs> I find that kind of intriguing. I hope you do. It was intended as a rebuke for those who were kind of on the inside. And yet in verse 19, all were healed, but only one was affirmed. It's interesting here. Uh, verse 19, we'll, we'll end up here real quick. Uh, in verse 19, he says um, to him, to the one, Stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. In my Bible, there is a footnote. Does yours have one? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What does it say? It's Matthew, Mark. Do what? There's like several of them. Do Matthew, Mark, and okay. The the one here in, in 19. It's just a just a grammatical note. It says where it says your faith has made you well. It also says your faith has saved you. Oh, saved. Same word. Same word, sozo, same word. 
Healed you, saved you, same word. Makes me wonder. So uh, all were healed, but only one was affirmed. I kind of wonder if Jesus said to him, your faith has saved you. The NIV and the NASB both say your faith has made you well. But it's the same word that's used elsewhere to say you've been saved. Kind of makes me wonder if the guy on the outside of the in-group accepted the gift of God's grace right there and the other nine missed missed out on it because they didn't come back and talk to the Savior. Anyway, I'll leave that to... Some other time, somebody smarter than me. So let me apply this. He will bless you. You can count on that. But I kind of got to realize that God doesn't need my thanks. He doesn't need anything. Think about it just for a minute. God doesn't need my thanks. But the thankful heart, according to Scripture, will find peace and find purpose in all things. See, God doesn't need my thanks, but I need it. I need to give it. You know, it doesn't get much worse here than uh, being a leper in Jesus' day. Oh, yeah, he was a Samaritan leper, right? (laughs) That is a little worse. And the Samaritan leper didn't, he was healed already. He didn't. And Jesus didn't really need thanks. He was already healed. But he affirmed him and he saved him. Because he recognized what happened to him and who did it. There's a scripture that says, all things give thanks to God. Yeah. This is one of those places where that plays out, Nadine. In, all, in everything giving thanks. Even in the stuff I don't like all that much. Peace, purpose kind of comes along with thanksgiving and my faith grows well happy independence day don't don't uh, burn your hand on a roman candle okay be careful it, uh, it does take the fun out of it but you know there are more things than fun i'll see you next week